Now you're very welcome along. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio. It's Saturday morning. We're on the 3rd of April. Pork. Good morning to you. Brought the sunshine with you this giddy, morning. Uh, giddy humour this morning with all the well, fantastic weather. And look, at it's great to hear 11 to 14 degrees. I mean, that means growth. Growth is going to start finally, which is absolutely fantastic. But I suppose we get it, before we get into the nuts and bolts, just to remind people, it is the Easter Bank holiday. It really is. Um, and garden centre, local garden centres are open. Um, so do check with your local garden centre. Um, and like, like I said last week, that, you know, be mindful of COVID. And garden centres tend to get busy on a sunny day. So my advice is, well, at Horkins, we're open right through the weekend. So even tomorrow, um, Easter Sunday, 12 to 6, and Monday from 9.30 right through to 6. So there's plenty of time to shop and it tends to be busy during the um, lunch hour period, that kind of, okay. you know, from 12 to 3. <clears throat> so my advice for people is, either shop online, because that's all garden centres you can shop online for a delivery next week but if you are going to your local garden centre kind of avoid that peak period uh, the queues will be less and um, you know garden centres are open so go early or go in the evening time yeah. or go on a it'll Sunday. be a more pleasurable experience for people because you'll have everyone. to queue less exactly. uh, you know and it's obviously safer because it's safer. less people yeah, and yeah. All that, obviously all social distancing being adhered to anyway but um, and I suppose the other thing is like traditionally Easter is a pretty busy time in the normal trust uh, for garden centres so at the minute uh, probably more so because of the way things are yes yeah, so, just yeah. so just be mindful of that and do remember that Bank Holiday Monday, most garden centres are open really early. Um, you know, su- Sundays at 12 o'clock is a good time or, um, you know, early early in the morning, late in the evening is kind of the time maybe to visit your local garden centre. But do check with them first that they are open. Most of them are right through the Easter Bank Holiday weekend. Another just key tip, frost, nice and frosty this morning. As well, you know. I had to go back in and get hot water for the windscreen. I was, I said, oh! What's this? Yeah, frost, And we are promised frost uh, tonight and right through. When we get high pressure, it's always associated with frost at night time. So particularly for tender plants, things like tomatoes or begonias or marigolds, or if you've got young bedding plants, uh, do cover them at night. Keep them, first of all, inside if you can, in, in your home or <clears throat> in your garage. If you're putting them in the greenhouse or tunnel, make sure that you cover them with some garden fleece, a couple of layers of fleece over the top of them. Maybe raise them up as well onto a bench uh, because the frost is, is normally a ground level but having said that do cover with the garden fleece as well that that is important or a little bit of gentle heat in your greenhouse so it's mainly the softer plants the half hardy annuals like our bedding plants our begonias and geraniums and marigolds those sort of plants lots of other plants are perfectly fine pansies and violas so if you've planted those kind of recently any of the kind of spring summer spring flowering plants like the blue campanula uh, they're all perfectly fine don't be worried about them they'll they'll be okay if you've planted out vegetable plants the, the kind of traditional vegetable plants cabbage and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts mm. and lettuce, spring onions, they're perfectly fine as well. And I see a couple of questions in where listeners have planted potatoes in the last week or two and are worried that the frost is going to get them. It's not once, as long as the foliage and stems are beneath the soil, they're perfectly fine. It's only when the, the foliage actually appears above ground level that potatoes will be sensitive to frost. So if you put them in in the last two weeks, there's no, going to be no sign of them for at least another three to four weeks. So they're perfectly fine. So just, you know, plants like tomato plants do keep 
keep them in cucumbers, peppers, those sort of more sensitive plants to frost and okay. everything else would yeah. be reasonably okay. You might remember last year hydrangeas got a, a bit of a hammering in mid-April last year. Many of them didn't flower last year when they were caught with the frost. Uh, so if you have a favourite hydrangea, maybe it's a good idea just to throw a bit of garden fleece over it as well if you really want to protect it. That's good because, the, they're I, budding. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. budding. And yeah. actually a friend of mine um, was telling me about her hydrangea during the week and how it's in such a leaf already yeah. and budding. So in a sheltered area, you see, if it's anywhere sheltered and yeah. catching the sun, the leaves will be, you know, probably 50% formed yep. already. So those leaves would be sensitive in the bud. So maybe a little bit of garden fleece over them. So do do keep an eye on that. It's great planting weather at the moment. Did the wind yesterday act, you know, it acts like a hairdryer. It, it tends to dry up the soil, which is fantastic. And that's exactly the sort of weather we need now to, uh, you know, to get the soil conditions <laughs> right. But a really great time. There's lots of colour available yeah, for Easter as well. Yeah, and you have come into studio with lots of colour for us today. I brought a bit in, yeah. I was in yeah. the gardens into this morning. I just said, look, there's some lovely stuff. Like the osteospernums, they're just coming into flower now. And of course, they go the whole summer long. These scented dianthus, I think, are lovely as well. And these are all frost hardy. So don't worry if you're planting them up. They'll be perfectly fine out of doors. They're just coming into flower. That's one called Oscar dianthus. It's got a beautiful scent and, and low growing. This is a favourite plant of mine. It's a plant called Uriops. I know it doesn't look a whole lot. Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's, got, it's got a lot to offer. It. So it's got a beautiful yellow flower on mm. it. And then there's lots of interest in the, in the leaf and the foliage. The leaf it's, is silver, yeah. yeah. And, and it's a plant, Uriops is a plant that comes into flower now in April and literally continues to flower till November. It just keeps on going. And it's got those silver bright primrose yellow flowers mm. that go the whole summer long. So as the plant produces new growth, it produces new buds and flowers. Lovely in a potter container. Um, it's easy to grow, a great filler. And it'll actually, I know it looks tiny there. It's only about six or eight inches high at the moment. But that plant by, by late summer will be nearly a foot, 15 inches in height and nearly twice that in diameter. Yeah, so and you can really already see plant. like it's got five, five or six uh, flowers on it and it's not a particularly big plant. And look at that. This, however, is a very big plant. Oh my and you goodness. Know the name of this, don't so you? I think this is a ger- Gerber or Gerber. Yeah, yeah. I, I never pronounced them so correctly. This is a stunner. Um, a lot of, just to let listeners know, a lot of the colour that Porik has brought in by uh, the Uriops there, everything else has got shades of pink about it, so it's very Easter-like, I suppose. Especially this is a This is gorgeous, though. This it is, is big. Really nice plant. Now, yeah. this particular gerbera is, is the pink uh, version, but it, they come in yellows and in whites and in reds and lots of different colour. And they've got huge daisy-like flowers that are beautiful just if you wanted a splash of colour for Easter or for the next couple of, of months um, on your patio or uh, in a pot, then the gerbers are, are a great idea and, and they flower for such a long period. Regular deadheading, regular feeding with them would just keep them blooming the whole, whole yeah, season long. Yeah, I, I, I planted a couple last year and they were there was great longevity in them. Yeah, they yeah. are good. So look at, there's lots of really good colour available. I also brought you in one of the scented the leaf geranium. geraniums. The lemon scented geranium is available Fabulous. at the moment, which is lovely. Um, and, and this particular one has more of a kind of a, a, a strawberry type scent to it as well. It's quite a nice variety uh, as well. So lots of scented geraniums, regular geraniums, but do remember, could mind them in terms of the frost okay. to keep them protected. So keep, keep things protected if they're outside. You had a question, and you have an early question. I have an ear- one, I'm going to go for one early question because yeah. somebody has to go to work, I think they said. So we'll do that one and then we shall take the It's brief, a good way to get your question answered first, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be giving people ideas. Uh, so uh, this is Michael and he's in Belmullet and uh, he bought some cream formium, set them in large pots, but has noticed lots of brown spots on leaves and the leaves are splitting. So he's wondering, could you advise 
advise, please? And Michael is living in Balmullah, so I mean, formiums are one of the best plants you can plant in seaside areas. They're called the New Zealand flax. They come to us from New Zealand and they tolerate salt and wind and hardship. Because they're an evergreen plant, naturally enough, during the winter period, they always pick up a little bit of marking, tearing of the leaves, a little bit of brown spots. So that's perfectly natural on the plant. It's just a bit of winter damage, and particularly in Balmullet, with the winter we've had this year, uh, with the storms and, and um, the amount of rain we've had, I'm not surprised at the formium. It's perfectly natural to have it coloured like this. The great thing with formiums is that you can cut them back. They respond to pruning back really well. So what my advice to Michael, he probably hasn't time yet, but if he's heading out to work, but mm-hmm. over the weekend, trim it back, tidy it up, give it a feed, and that plant will respond by producing lots of new growth, and it'll be perfectly fine in a month's time. Next winter, it will pick up those little brown marks again. There's nothing you can do with that. They just, you know, it's just a wind damage. It's just physical damage, but it doesn't impede the plant overall. It'll be perfectly fine. Okay, great stuff. Um, first photo of the morning. It came in good and early. Um, it's a picture of an azalea, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, I wonder, can you help me out with advice on what might be the cause of my azalea not blooming? It has plenty of buds, but just they just don't open. I dug it up and set it in a half tub last summer, but still no uh, improvement. So a photograph here. There's a picture of it there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's actually a, a great a, a great specimen of um, an azalea. And azaleas are in the rhododendron family and require ericaceous soil and, and regular feeding. Now, the pot that it's in currently in the picture is way, way, way too small for the... Um, for the azalea it needs it needs if you're putting it into a pot it needs quite a generous pot quite a large pot because azaleas and rhododendrons a bit like camellias are woodland plants and they need lots of moisture um, kind of a semi-shaded area is best for them but they do need lime free soil and they need to be fed with uh, an ericaceous feed the leaves are quite um, they're green but there's kind of a yellow tinge to them as well which would indicate that it's it's hungry as well so really my advice would be if you're putting it into a pot it needs to be quite a generous pot a large maybe 70 litre or um, 80 litre pot, use ericaceous compost feed it from spring right through till early autumn that initiates the flower buds on it and um, it should come into flower Not may, possibly not this spring but next spring for you so okay. is, but the plant is still very very healthy it's actually quite a good specimen ideally if they could plant it into the soil but it does need um, ericaceous soil okay. lime free soil now as you predicted there are a number of questions about uh, frosts today mm. um, we might just touch on one or two but generally we would probably I think we might have already addressed them but this specifically is about a plum tree and protecting blossoms on a plum tree from frost is that possible? well you're, you're, you're back into it depends on the size of the plum tree of course mm. and, and the fact that the tree is you know it's, it's six feet up in the air type thing or seven feet the frost won't be as problematic frost is more damaging where plants are closer to the ground because it obviously sinks to the ground first of all and, and um, so if, if it's a small plum tree you can certainly cover with garden fleece and leave the fleece on for several days and it'll be perfectly fine but if it's a large plum tree just leave well enough alone um, I see the lovely black thorns which are in the same family as the plum trees are just coming into flower as well so um if it's a big tree, there's not a lot you can do to prevent from frost. Now, we've got a couple of questions. First of all, on strawberries. Mm. So, uh, thank you for the lovely programme. As always, opens the text. I have strawberries to move, wondering when is the best time to do this? My friend got strawberries and she can only start gardening and she only has started gardening. She has a small raised bed and a small veggie pod, approximately 70 litres. Is it better to plant the strawberries in the raised beds or in the veggie pod? 
I would do both, to be honest. So obviously the listener is giving her strawberries to, to, to the friends. So first of all, this weekend would be an ideal time to lift them. And they're just beginning to grow at the moment. So dig them up this weekend if you can. The frost won't damage them whatsoever because strawberries are frost hardy. And I would put some into the veggie pod because that's going to bring them on at least a month earlier and plant some in the raised beds as well. And remember, strawberries are so easy to grow. You can. This is the time of year for planting them. They'll grow in window boxes, containers, raised beds, veggie pods, whatever. So do a little bit of both. One line maybe in the veggie pod and then put the rest into the raised bed. Remember to um, not overfeed them as well, particularly until the fruit starts to form. So um, allow them to flower, allow the fruit to set and then start feeding them anytime kind of from the middle of May onwards. Great stuff. Now I have this lily a year old okay. or have it a year anyway sorry it might be a little older than a year it gives uh, its leaves are yellow on the bottom um, so we've got a photograph in on this no flowers this year and if memory serves me right I think it was in flower last year um, I do water but very sparingly and would you have any advice on this part? I sure would and overall the plant is in great condition So what are we looking at this exactly? This is actually an anthurium anthurium which is the painter's palette um, so when the listener purchased it it would have either red flowers or pink flowers or it comes in white as well. Beautiful plant, easy to grow. The only thing that's wrong with this plant is it's hungry and it's in the same pot that the listener bought it in. So my advice is to repot it. Take off any of the really um, bright yellow leaves. They're right down at the base of the plant. They can be just removed. Simply repot it into multi-purpose compost in a larger pot. Keep it on a bright windowsill and it'll come back into flower in late summer, early autumn. Um, give it a, a couple of liquid feeds as well. It's probably one of the easiest plants. It gets its name because the flowers are in the shape of a painter's palette. It's got that heart shape. They're actually not flowers, they're bracts. They're modified. They're, they're what we call bracts, B-R-A-C-T-S, bracts. So they're modified leaves. Oh. Uh, so th- And hence the painter's pla- palette, because it's not actually a flower, the, the bract lasts for anything up to a month or six weeks. So it stays in flower for such a long period. It's a beautiful little plant. Um, and so it's, grow- it's, it's totally indoors, so make sure you keep it in. Um, so all it needs, repotting, some extra it is looks a little bit, bit dry as well so a little bit extra water might be extra might, feeding. The, the water the sparing watering might, might be, be just too, a little bit too dry yeah 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 but it, it look at it so it, it's just hungry it, it just needs to be moved on into a bigger pot okay now we have a couple of questions in about moving daffodils when they die away so daffodils still very much I think in bloom in lots of places um, but in another couple of weeks they will start to die off so how do we go about this well if, if the listener wants to move them you can do them once they go out of flower we move them in the green uh, is the terminology so we dig them up whilst they're still green with green foliage on them and you can transplant them and the great thing about it is you can propagate them you can simply break up a, a clump of daffodils into several pieces and replant them into an area you want them to bloom next year so this weekend this sort of weather is ideal for doing that job so literally dig them up Move, uh, split them apart. Don't damage the foliage, as uh, you know, if if at all possible. Pl- replant them into new areas. Give them a couple of liquid feeds now over the next three to four weeks, and that'll build them up for next year. And for daffodils in general, once they go out of flower, trim off all the old flower heads with a hedge clippers. Just give them a little tidy back. Not nothing too severe on the foliage, and literally start feeding them because you build them up for next year. Um, and now we have a question about jasminium. Yeah. Uh, 
OFF. Officialis. Thank so you. Jasminum officialis. Jasminum. The official jasmine. Okay, great. The official <laughs> jasmine. Uh, planted four summers ago in a sheltered sunspot, fed well. It has never flowered. Yeah, Why? And, and don't worry too much about this because uh, Jasminum has, um, is a very, very vigorous climber. So it produces beautiful white flowers that are highly scented. And it's not uncommon for them once they get into the soil and start growing, they tend to do a lot of growing and then settle down to flowering. So they're still in their teenage years. Leave them alone. You can help to bring them back into flower or, or to encourage them to flower by feeding them with a high potash feed. So tomato feeds or rose feeds or indeed a little bag of sulphur of potash and shake it around the base of the um, jasmine and that will slow it down. You, you know, the fact that it's five years, this, this year is its fifth year, it, it should be thinking about, about flowering. Right. But, but when plants are really healthy and growing vigorously, they, they you know, postpone the flowering for a, for a couple of seasons and put on lots of growth. So a little bit of sulphur potash or um, some rose feed. Should do the trick. Yeah. Uh, now we've got a photograph in uh, from Jar, and it's a picture of an old beehive that he got as a present. Oh, well done. Um, and it's kind of in parts there by the looks of things. Um, so <laughs> yeah, he's, he's wondering, he, he doesn't know where to start with all of this and wondering, would you have any advice? Well, my advice really is is to contact your local beekeeping club. If people are interested in getting into bees, first of all, it's, it's a good time of year. And I, I was actually chatting to a couple of the local beekeepers recently and, and bees are having a very difficult spring because it's been so wet. So there's been huge losses in beehives in terms of um, the bees themselves because naturally the, the nucleus of bees reduces reduces during the winter period and um, when we get a wet spring the bees can't be active in getting out and, and getting out the um, pollen so they're, we're seeing a lot of, of um, uh, death in, oh, okay. in beehives right at the moment so so anything we can do to encourage that so my advice really to Ger is to talk to the local beekeepers this is the time of year you start a beehive off with a, what they call a nuke which is a, a, a kind of a, a starter uh, with a queen and, and several bees. And um, this is a good time of year to do that. So maybe talk to his local beekeeping club. There's a really good one in Westport and Ballina, here in Ballyhonas have a great club as well. So there's lots of really good clubs around. That's really my advice. Okay, great. Now, when sowing peas, do we... S- <coughs> sorry, I beg you, sorry, pardon. When sowing peas, do you sow straight from the packet or is it better to soak in warm water first to soften them? This is what I did last year and very few of them grew. Well, it's not necessary to, to, to uh, pre-soak as they're perfectly fine sown directly out into the garden soil. If you want, you can start them off in some pots and containers indoors first just to get a head start. And indeed, if you pop into your local garden centre, they'll actually have pea plants, uh, garden pea plants ready to plant. So you could do a little bit of that plant some plants now but also plant some seed at the same time varieties like uh, onward pp onward is a really good variety it's a very reliable variety um so try that particular one but generally they're sowing directly open up the drills sow the seed directly outside again they're frost hardy so both sweet pea and edible peas are totally frost hardy and fine out, out of doors okay now, I have to repot this sedum. Oh, great plant. Can you please let me know the best way to go about it or am I too late? So it's in a decent sized pot there. It is. And this is sedum spectabilis. It, it flowers in um, late summer, early autumn. We also often call it the ice plant because it's got these succulent type leaves. So the listener can, it, it actually will grow really well in a small pot. It's a plant that will tolerate kind of l- low root restrictions. So it will actually be perfectly fine in the pot the listener have, has it in at the moment for this season. But if they want, 
you can you have the opportunity of dividing the plant. So from that one plant, it, it looks to me like it's at least a foot in diameter, maybe mm-hmm. even more. So out of that, you would safely get four or five new plants by simply splitting it up at this time of year. And my key tip with sedums, it, what, what tends to happen in midsummer is that the plant tends to fall over a little bit because the flowers add a lot of weight to the sedum. So give it the Chelsea chop in May. So allow it to grow and then prune it back, take about three or four inches off the top of the plant in uh, around the time of Chelsea. Uh, and, Which is uh, early June, isn't early that Early June, it? yeah, late May, early June. And that just keeps it uh, more compact and more flowers from the plant. Okay. So you can repot certainly, but if you're repotting, my advice is to split it up, make several pieces of it. Great. Now, Mary is in Castle Bar and she's wondering what climbers would you recommend to hide a northeast facing wall? And it's 30 foot long. Wow. So the challenges you have, obviously, in northeast facing is that it gets, whatever sun it gets is only morning sun and uh, north facing is going to be quite shaded. So you, you, you need to put in shade tolerant uh, climbing plants. So straight away I would be thinking of, there's a lovely camellia called Donation, which actually does really well. We often think camellias more as a bush plant, but they actually grow very well as wall climbers. And Donation is a variety that tolerates shade extremely well. It's a beautiful shade of pink and it flowers for quite a long period. And of course, camellias are evergreen. So against a wall, they can look really well 12 months of the year. The other plants I would consider would be shade-loving ivies. So Mm-hmm. Varieties like Gold Child, um, Gold Heart, uh, Paddy's Pride. There's, there's quite a range of different ivy varieties that will tolerate shade. And once they're, they're established on the wall, they'll self-clean themselves. They're variegated in colours, so the nice bright colours 12 months of the year. You can introduce other flowering climbers like Nelly Moser Clematis, which again will tolerate shade. So there are... Again, options there. options there. Certainly the evergreen ivies, the uh, camellia donation would tolerate really well. And then you can introduce other climbing, flowering climbers like the uh, Clematis nelimosa that I mentioned. Now, a listener says they have a hebe about 18 inches tall in a pot. Is it too mm. late to prune it? And if not, how should I cut it back? Right. Well, the hebe's, and again, a, a nice evergreen plant or planting that does really well, again, in exposed areas. But one thing with hebe's, they tend to get a bit leggy. It's in their nature. And really from when you plant them, you want to be trimming them back every season to keep them low and bushy. 18 inches tall, I would remove at least four to five inches of the top of the plant and that'll encourage branching further down on the hebe. Don't go too severe. So, you know, four to maybe six inches at most. Uh, Trim that off now at this time of year. Uh, Give it a feed and that will help to thicken it up and, and, and create a lovely bushy full plant. They're such an easy plant to grow. And in general, dear, this is the time of year where people should be considering feeding plants particularly with the temperatures you mentioned, 11 to 14 mm. degrees. Growth is going to start now. So now is the time to start feeding. Start feeding. Start feeding, yeah. Now we've got some potatoes in <clears throat> drills for the last two weeks, wondering should we cover them? Well, look, they're still beneath the soil. If they were planted correctly, normally you're, you're putting the potatoes down 8 to mm. 12 inches into the soil. So they're going to be perfectly fine. Nothing to worry about. Leave the, as we come moulding up or earthing up for maybe another two weeks. Okay, lovely. We've got a beech hedge. It's just set. Wondering, is there any particular fertiliser we should use on it? Well, remember the beech won't come into leaf until the first week of May. So don't panic when it when you see everything else leafing up and the poor old beech still looking um, dormant. Yeah. So Osmo Pro 6 is really a good tree and shrub fertiliser for hedging plants and shrubs in general. So a handful of that around the base foot and uh, it'll be the first week of May before you see any new growth. Yeah, they're kind of always the last to Yeah, those and ash. Ash is is kind of, yeah... 
oak ash and, and beech are very late. Now we've got a skimmia uh, plant and wondering how to look after it and what do we feed it with? Well, they're, they're, they're again like camellias and like the azalea question we had there, they like a slightly ericaceous or acid-based soil. So get yourself some ericaceous liquid feed. You get it in your local garden centre, you simply make it up in the water can, apply it to the base of it and they're perfectly fine. A great plant, the skimmias. Okay, great. Now, what kind of flowers would you put in a low bed along a hedge, dwarf size, please? And we're in Westport. Oh, well, if it's in a, an, an open kind of seaside areas, alpines would be really good. So sedums, campanulas, um, you know, things like the flocks that we talked about last week, the ground covering flocks. So pop into your local garden centre, look at the the um, range of alpine plants. There's quite a wide uh, variety of, of plants and they all tolerate, they're low growing, they, they tend to spread across the ground, they'll tolerate an open uh, seaside area in particular but windy area and also they're perennial which means they come back year after year. Generally speaking it's better to put them in in groups of threes or fives to create that kind of carpet effect. So depending on the overall height if you want them really mm. low the alpines are really good or you've got small herbaceous perennials like hostas, uh, geum which is a really good low growing plant, a still base. So look pop into your local garden centre. There's plenty of choice available at the moment. Uh, can you prune apple trees this month? Well, you know, we've been telling people to be doing them. Look, if, if you haven't them done, if you haven't them pruned, I mean, yeah. the flower buds are being, you'll see the buds on them. So um, if you haven't pruned them back, there's no no damage in doing them, uh, pruning them bow. I would favour cutting them back. And the same applies to roses. People always leave it until the leaves start to appear. Come then the yeah, same, so, maybe, it, yeah. You know, if, if it's an apple tree, certainly you can still prune. You're not going to damage the plant. I would favour pruning them rather than just leaving them. But ideally, they should be pruned any time from November to early March. But I would still do them this weekend. Give them a feed. They'll be perfectly fine. And make sure you're not pruning off any flower buds. Um, and also, if people haven't pruned their roses or things like dogwood, cornice, then get out there and start trimming them back. Super. Now we've got rhubarb transplanted last October. It's just starting to grow and the listener is wondering, should I use it this year? It's tempting, but no. Okay, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'd be dying, I'd be dying. I'd say, oh, be there we are, here we go, let's, yeah. have, let's have crumble. Well, remember that you're taking the stems and the leaf off the plant. You're robbing the plant of, of the way it produces its its energy uh, through photosynthesis. So if you're taking off the leaves and stems, of course, you're, you're putting the plant under stress. So ideally, it should be left for this year. Feed it, water it, look after it, build it up for next season. You know, the, 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 we tend to recommend at least two years uh, because, um, you know, and even in, in the, the second and third year, not to harvest it too heavily. Uh, because rhubarb is there, it's going to be there forever. So try to hold off for another year, yeah. maybe two years. Feed it, water it, look after it, build it up, and then you can start cropping it. Uh, how soon, is it too soon at the moment to plant out antirhinums in no, the garden? No, antirhinums are actually frost hardy, so if you have them, uh, now if you have them inside, you know, in a, in a really warm spot, then mm. harden them off for a day or two, so put them out during the day and maybe just bring them in for a night or two, but antirhinums in general are, are perfectly frost hardy they're they're easy to grow, they're, they're lovely snapdragons, they're such an easy plant to grow, and uh, a little tip with them, they tend to get a little bit leggy, so when you're planting them, pinch out the growing points, so just take literally half an inch off each of the growing points of the um, anthraniums and then plant them into a bed and let them off and they'll come into flower in early summer. Beautiful plant. Now here's an interesting one. Can you plant mother-in-law's tongue outside or is it only an indoor plant? I really like this plant. It's well named, isn't yeah, it? Well, it is very well named, yeah. Uh, so, mother-in-law's tongue is, is uh, indoor. It's sensevieria, which the frost, frost would 
the poor mother-in-law's tongue would be gone. So no, keep it in, indoors. Bright, sunny location, ideally. Uh, keep it in a pot. You know, don't repot re- it every five years. Water it once a month. How easy is Needs that? Needs no care of that plant. No, it's a great That's plant. That's probably why I like Really, it. really good plant. Um, now, if you pull up sycamore sa- yes. saplings, leaving a few bits of roots yeah. and then sow them, will they grow, asks John. They will, of course they will. Now, do the, ideally, do they're beginning to bud at the moment, so lift them, transplant them. But do remember that sycamore will grow to 60, 70 feet in height. It's a huge tree, so just be careful where you plant it, I suppose, is... It's they need some advice. space, really. They need a lot of space, yeah. yeah. So, so apart from that, dig them up now and transplant them. We have a white climbing hydrangea. It's about Lovely. 15 years old. It covers a chalet completely, but only produces a few flowers every year. How should I prune it? Uh, well, somebody's in Westport, I think. Yeah, there's yep. not a lot of pruning to do with climbing. So this is hydrangea petiolaris. It's a, actually a self-clinging climbing hydrangea plant, a bit like ivy. It attaches to the wall itself and off it goes. And great in seaside areas. And the flowers aren't that spectacular. It tends to be kind of a lace cap, white flower that comes on, uh, hydrangea petiolaris. The, 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 the only trimming is really just to tidy it up. So we don't trim it like a normal hydrangea. So literally you just tidy it back to the space that's available for it. You can do that at this time of year or you can do it after flowering. Um, so whichever, it, it won't make a whole lot of a difference. So that's the only pruning that's required is really just to, to, to kind of maintain the shape and uh, the area that it's covering. Perfect. Now, should I put out fertiliser today or wait till frost is over? Does it does frost affect nitrogen? Well, it, it won't at this time of year and the, the the level of frost we're going to get it's 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 relatively light and also uh it's only going to be for a couple of days so at this time of year it's a great time to put out particularly tree and shrub fertilizer great uh, we have an escalonia hedge would it be all right to cut it back now as it needs tidying up help says yeah, i think we had something similar last uh week and and there's no problem pruning back uh, hedges in general you know obviously we, we mentioned before about checking that there's no nesting mm. birds there that's kind of a key Indeed. thing yep. But um, you will delay the flowering with the Escalonia. That's the only thing. So um, it won't come into flower for about four to six weeks. Uh, you know, so it'll be probably late July, early August. But having said that, you'll get the colour then at the at the latter part of the year in autumn and early winter. So by all means, tidy it back and trim it up. Escalonia responds really well to pruning. And when we prune, we feed. Okay. So, and just do remember not to panic if it takes a bit longer then to come into flower. Exactly, to come into flower. It'll be, you know, within three, four weeks, it'll beautiful new leaves on it, but it will just delay the flowering a little bit. Now, uh, we've got a spring, my spring flowering pink camellia has no sign of flowers this year. And last year, same story, okay. had very few. What can I do, asks Bridge. Well, the thing with uh, with camellias is, again, a bit like the question we had with the jasminum mm. officinalis. Camellias take time to settle in. So, you know, you often buy them in the garden centre and there's a few flowers on them. And the reason for that is that they're in a tight pot. They're kind of forced into flowering. And when they get into the freedom of the soil, of your soil, uh, they tend to do a lot of growing and, and, not, and, and forsake flowering for a, a number of years. Now, having said that, camellias formed their flower buds in the previous season. So however well it grew last summer and autumn, it determines how well it flowers this spring, if that makes sense. So the buds are actually on the plant by November of the previous uh, year. Uh, so regular feeding this summer with a nericaceous feed, a rhododendron or hydrangea feed right through the summer period, uh, ensure, well, helps to create the flower buds by the autumn and mm-hmm. on those flower buds and the flowers are carried the following spring. So regular watering, regular feeding during the summer period and build it up for next year. But bear in mind that young camellias up to four or five years old often just 
don't flower for, don't. for, the, for so those years. It take, it, they take yeah. a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when they come into flower, they oh, are beautiful. stunning. They're stunning. This year, yeah. Now, when do you start spraying roses for green fly? It's a bit early yet, is it? Well, once once the weather starts to warm up and once the temperatures, and we, we did mention 10 to 14 degrees, so kind of from middle of April onwards, and I'm a believer in starting early, so don't let it be a problem. So, you know, maybe apply the first uh, application of Rose Clear in the middle of April. Okay. Onwards, and then generally every two to three weeks. Not too far away from that. Um, Can you tell me when you prune a sorbus tree and why are leaves of red robin black and speckled? Well, red robin, a bit like the formium question. Again, it's an evergreen plant. It's actually an an Australian plant or a New Zealand plant. Um, And again, it picks up these brown markings during the winter period. So hailstones, heavy rain, wind will cause kind of speckling on Fortinia red robin. Give it a good trim at this time of year. Uh, give it a feed, and you'll have all the young growth will be perfectly clean and co- perfectly fine. So it tends to pick up a little bit of leaf damage mm. over the winter period. Now there are some leaf spots that it gets as well, which are more related to z- disease problems. But in general, most of the uh, markings we see on Fortinias is weather rather than um, uh, disease problems. And if a good feeding and a good pruning. Uh, helps to encourage lots of new growth and the plants are perfectly fine. In relation to the sorbus, mm. that's going to be coming into flower now. So if you prune it now, you'll have no flowers or berries this year. Uh, so it depends on the age of the plant. If it's a young tree and you're planting it for the first time, then I do advise pruning it back just to get a nice shape and kind of forsake the flowers in the first year. But after that, the sorbus generally don't need to be pruned. They tend to take on a, a really nice shape. If you do need to prune it, then really I would prune the, prune it back in kind of... Um, February, early March is really the time to do it. But in general, they don't need a lot of pruning. They develop a nice shape themselves. Now, what fertiliser do we use when we're setting main crop spuds and how often to fertilise the spuds over the growing period? Yeah, and potatoes do need, they're a hungry crop and particularly main crop varieties. I mean, if you've got organic matter or any kind of farmer manure or mushroom compost, that's that's the best. Dig the trench and put it into the base of it and plant your spuds in. But having said that, um, a granulated fertiliser, so something like SuperGrow or any good Vitex Q4, any good uh, broad ranged uh, granular fertiliser is ideal for potatoes. It can be used when you're uh, planting them initially and then generally feeding once a month right through the, the summer period. Okay, we're going to turn to some photographs oh, yeah. in Porrick okay. and the question here is uh, we have a fairly sizable looking plant. Uh, can you tell me what this plant is called and can I shift it now? I can indeed, yeah. So this is Cordline Australis, so they the uh, the cord lines very very common plant um, so it's it, it must be standing I would say seven or eight feet in yeah, height it's, now, it's very big having said that cord lines do transplant quite easily um, and if you if you have to move it move it this weekend uh, transplanted this weekend you, you around the base of the plant you can see there's lots of browning mm. leaves so that's totally natural and they should be removed the green leaves left as they are and simply dig the plant with as much root ball as possible and the other key thing you're going to have to do here is stake it really well because it's going to be quite top heavy and if we get some windy weather it's going to get knocked about so move it this weekend okay uh, I think we had it last. Yeah, I think yeah. we might have addressed that question we last week, so we'll <coughs> skip on. Uh, people can always listen back, incidentally, to the podcasts if uh, they didn't quite catch uh, the answer on the previous week. Now, good morning. Can you advise me on the following three plants if they need Ericaceous compost? Just purchased, and I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, so, oh my goodness, Pork, you'll have to go take on. over here. Have a go. Have a go. <laughs> it's, it's all the <laughs> Latin names. Erica Dar- 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 Darinaceus. Yeah, yeah Darinaceus. Yeah, lovely. 
plant. Rhododendron azurica. Yeah. And broom. Site this is breakout. Thank you. So so the the first two the erica is is a heather. It's a lovely pink flowering heather, Darliensis, and the rhododendron. They both would prefer ericaceous soil. So. Uh, put down your ericaceous compost with them and do feed them during the summer months with an ericaceous feed. The broom Cythesis precox is will actually prefers a limey soil, um, so and will grow in ordinary garden soils. And they're great fillers. The brooms they're coming they'll be coming into flower now in April. A beautiful scent off them, really easy plant to grow. Um, so so that's the one for the regular soil, and the first two are for the ericaceous compost. Fantastic. Right, this is taking a second to click in, so we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, could you please tell me why do tulips droop in a vase? Well, I mean, <laughs> so glad it's a Yeah, I mean, once you cut the flowers of, of it's no longer getting nutrition. nutrients exactly, and and you know when you cut tulips, um, you know they are short lived in any vase, and they're going to they're they're going to just droop over over time. So. That's that's just the habit of of tulips, and unfortunately, grow them in pots. You know they're they're so easy to grow. Plant them up in the autumn, and they they're stunning at this time of year out in the pots. Right, the one we were waiting to open up there, Portuguese laurel. Part of it has failed this year. What can we do to help us? Yeah, well, Portuguese laurel. So this is um, it's used for hedging. It's got that dark. This is a big hedge of Portuguese it laurel. It is now. indeed, and it looks to me like it actually has um, a disease problem. Uh, and Portuguese laurel, particularly with wet uh, seasons like we had last year and, the, and this winter, uh, takes on that browning of the leaves, the stems going dead as well. Um, so the first thing to do is to feed the plant. And the second thing to do is once the new growth starts to apply a fungicide. So put on some fungus clear and use that every two to three weeks during the growing season. And that'll help to arrest the problem. Okay, my rocket, thank you. My rocket is always attacked by flea beetle. The instructions say to sow late to miss their life cycle, but I want to sow early. So if I sow in the polytunnel, will this stop the flea beetle attack? Well, it it certainly will reduce it. Interesting thinking. Yeah, so this rocket and and such an easy plant to grow and and it grow. But the flea beetle, it's a very small, shiny beetle. Um, Hard to see it because it, uh, once you go to the plant, it actually drops to the soil immediately. But you'll know the marks on it because it becomes um, small holes in the leaves. The plants become um, distorted and and stunted in growth. And it can be quite devastation on the uh, devastating. The the tunnel is a great idea because the rocket is going to grow really fast there. So definitely sow some seed indoors in the tunnel and uh, the plants will come on really really fast okay be inter- interesting uh, experiment to yeah. see how try they some do, of the garlic yeah. you could use the organic garlic treatments as well uh, so you can get something like grazers they have a, a particular product for um, insects that are is based on garlic um, and that that will deter the flea beetle as well Okay, uh, I've got a pyrus in full white flowers Lovely. at the moment. I would like to cut it back, but when is the best time and when does it turn red? Well, they're just beginning and, and hopefully the frost doesn't get them <laughs> because pyrus, uh, all the varieties, forest flame and kitsuru and, and all the beautiful pyrus, uh, when the young, lo- young growth comes on them, if we get late frost, it always licks them back. Now, they, they come back again uh, perfectly fine. So the time to prune it is immediately after flowering. So the listener is quite, quite right. Um, if the flowers are beginning to go over now or maybe in a week's time, that's the time to prune it back. And the plant responds really well by producing lots of new growth. And on that growth, it'll, have, it'll be a ball of red colour. So prune after flowering, feed it and uh, you'll get, you enjoy the lovely red colour of the 
of the early summer period yeah I have a star Jasmine it was lovely last year and then it died back will it come back again asks Mary it it should do um, it should do now growth should be starting um, on the star Jasmine so check at the base of the plant um, it should be beginning to shoot now or certainly over the next couple of weeks again give it a feed um, once it settles in it tends to take off relatively easy so just keep an eye on it growth has been slow this year remember that you know it's it's, it's we're, we're at least two weeks behind uh, in terms of the growth okay we've got a question here on plum trees yeah, nice lovely. photograph of them so you can uh, see typically there's a plum tree now yeah, you know, the, they're the big they're big and, and the other question about um, preventing it against frost I mean when they get to that size you know they'll grow 15 to 20 feet in height so yeah, yeah. you might you might lose a few blossoms yes, but you exactly. won't lose them all uh, anyway the, the situation with this these particular so two plum trees Opal and Victoria okay. and they were planted 12 years ago and I've never they've never blossomed okay. the trees have grown well as you can see well most they've certainly they've done really well yeah but they've just never blossomed wondering okay. any ideas and they're in an open aspect as well it's not that they're shaded and open other Flowers on on um, on plums are quite small. They're, right. they're, I won't say they're insignificant, but they are they are actually quite small. Now the buds should be forming now. Uh, so to have a really close look at the the stems, we can see it from this picture oh, here. No. Um, high potash feeds again, sulfur potash or um, anything to do with anything with a high level of potash, potassium helps to encourage fruiting trees to flower and fruit. Um, so first of all, check the buds closely. And the buds should be on them at the moment. And if not, um, the, really the only treatment for them is to put on some of the um, sulfur potash around okay. the base of them. Now we have a plant in a lawn by the looks of things, Porrick. Uh, it might be a bit difficult, a bit difficult now from the angle it. to see what, yeah. uh, what this is. Uh, and it's an identification question. We're told when in flower it has tall stems with pink flowers... Um, and they're wondering about if they can lift it or now we'll try and get in a well, bit closer to it yeah it's hard yeah. to see what we they we might need a little bit more of a photograph on that yeah the listener, uh, listener. Got, it, yeah. got it Um now it looks like a herbaceous border plant and they can be lifted uh, even now, even at this time of year, you could dig it up and um, yeah, there's a good bit of leaf, a good bit of leaf growth on yeah, it. Yeah, anyway. but you can certainly split it. You can just certainly dig it up. It's actually in a planted in a lawn area, which is not the best location for it anyway. Yeah. it's competing with the grass. Um, so dig it up. You'll be able to divide it into several pieces, at least five or six pieces, and transplant it elsewhere. Okay, great stuff. Um, it looks like Lunaria, Lunaria, which has lovely um, purpley pink flowers. You know, about about a meter high. Um, so it, it, it seems to be that. So definitely you can transplant it and, and divide it. Now we have a photograph of, a, this is a close-up, maybe nearly too close-up, um, of a 25-year-old apple tree with a growth on it. Um, it's just come on, we're told, uh, from Terry. And wondering, would you have any advice for it? It looks like a gall, um, which is a growth. Galls come on on the on apple trees and fruiting trees, particularly if they've been damaged by pests. And it's it's kind of very it's, it's similar to the way a scab grows on a wound. And um, so the tre the tree reacts to that by producing yeah. these galls. So it's, it's James nothing, Greaves. Uh, he t they tell us. Yeah, it's it's nothing to worry about. It's absolutely okay. nothing to worry about. Just leave it. It won't damage the tree. Um, it's perfectly fine. It just looks a bit ugly. I yeah, guess. it does. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, okay, we're oh, not. I think we've covered the frost end of things. Um, I've a half acre, normally wet most of the time. What trees can I plant? Uh, fruit, um, and something for Christmas. I think. Uh, well, Mark is in Fahey. Yeah, there's not many trees that will tolerate very wet uh, conditions. So the drainage would be very important. Mm. You know, apple trees, pears, plums, all our fruiting trees will require free draining. 
uh, drainage soil. Now, having said that, you know they'll take a, a relatively heavy soil, uh, but but if they're waterlogged, certainly they're, they're you're going to have lots of problems with roots rotting and canker in particular being a problem. So draining the area or else raising the area. So it's a good way to plant fruiting plants and plants in general in a wet garden is to actually to raise the soil by maybe a foot. So creating a, a large ridge and actually planting the trees along the top of the ridge is one way to do it. So certainly most of, and, uh, most of our fruiting plants are easy to grow. Gooseberries, blackcurrants, redcurrants, uh, blueberries and so on will tolerate a heavy soil but not a waterlogged soil. So I would address their drainage certainly first of all or else raise the soil before considering planting. Okay, great. Mm. And uh, I know time is starting to come against us. One or two more quickies. Should my evergreen rhododendron be flowering now? It has buds for the last few weeks, but no flowers. Yeah, no, no, it's early yet. I mean, many rhododendrons, some varieties like praycocks are in flower early, but others like um, Baden-Baden and, um, you know, any of the shamrock, for example, there, they won't flower for another. Like, generally speaking, think of Ackle, going to Ackle for the June bank holiday weekend. Yeah. That's generally the when rhododendron ponticum, the wild variety, is in flower. So... Rhododendrons flower any time from the beginning of April right through till the end of May, early June. So it really depends on the variety. If the buds are there, they'll start to open in the next couple of weeks. And you don't want them out too early either because the old frost could damage them. Yeah. them. Yeah. Right, we're going to end on this one. My old creeper has a lot of dead wood at the bottom, but I don't want to lose the height of it. What do I need to do with it? It's pretty well, it big, all right. It depends what climber it is. They don't say what climber no, it is. No, it's and, kind of hard to identify. It's very it's hard just, to yeah. identify there. Um, maybe if they could, could come. It looks like a clematis to me, the dead leaves of, of the clematis, depending on what variety. And clematis do respond to pruning back. Um, having said that, you know, to get rid of all that old wood, you're going to have to prune it quite severely back. Um, it will regrow again, but depending on the variety, some are spring flowering, some autumn, some winter flowering, um, and that determines when you prune them. So if the listener maybe could give us some a little bit more um, clarity, clarity on what yeah. variety a it is. A bit of information, if you could, Willie. Yeah, or when it flowers. We can um, we can, I'll give you a specific answer on it on next week's programme. Next week's programme, that's so, where we're going to leave it. So do remember the garden centres are open right throughout the weekend and particularly Bank Holiday Monday we're opening early from 9.30 right through to 6, to six just to ease the uh, the, the queues. The queues and, and, and so the on. footfall and yeah. to spread it all out. Or you can shop online on horkins.ie. Okay, fantastic. Happy Easter, Porik, and Easter. to everyone at Horkins and uh, to all of uh, you out there as well. Do stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at 10, which is on the way next with John Morley. The best in country, of course, right through with Michael until one o'clock. I'm back next Saturday, just after seven. Until then, good morning to you.